1: The Matthew Wright Show on Crucible of Broadcast Excellence, Talk Talk Radio. Radio. Put it on and keep it on
2: too busy to catch us on the afternoons on talk radio too many children to care for too many jobs to manage well never fear help is here in the shape of the matthew wright podcast where we cut down three hours of entertainment and enlightenment every afternoon into tiny bite-sized morsels just for you you're busy so-and-so so sit back and enjoy the best of the matthew wright show here on talk radio I must admit, my approach to this story, I'll I'll hold my hand up, is I'm troubled by it, but I might be wrong. The story goes that witnesses who've been involved in uh, either designing or possibly choosing materials for the refurbishment of Grenfell Tower, i.e. the cladding, um, are, are applying to claim privilege against self-incrimination, immunity from prosecution in, in real terms, um, to protect themselves unless uh, they say the wrong thing, or indeed the right thing, uh, at the inquiry which restarted on Monday. Now the chair of that inquiry, Sir Martin Morbick, uh, said yesterday uh, that he'd asked the Attorney-General uh, for an undertaking that nothing said by a witness in answer to questions to the inquiry would be used in furtherance of a prosecution against them. He feels that uh, privilege against self-incrimination is the only way to get witnesses uh, to give them the complete freedom to tell the truth without any any concern for their future. And I'll be honest, Kevin, I didn't know you could even apply for immunity under prosecution. I thought that was something you saw in American cop shows. But apparently, under Section 22 of the Inquiries Act 2005, a witness can refuse to give evidence if it might incriminate them. Now, this all comes, as Kevin was telling us at the beginning of the show, uh, when the inquiry heard that uh, firms involved in revamping the high-rise tower block, where 72 people lost their lives, appeared to know two years before that fire that a new cladding system would fail if exposed to fire. Four companies involved have already delivered opening statements to the inquiry, and uh, in which they attempted to um, distance themselves from blame. <laughs> Big surprise! <sighs> it's going to go on for a long it's time. Gonna go on for, it's going on for a long time, and, I, and I, I, as I said, I, I, I'm of the view that giving immunity, yes, you get decent evidence, but what if the people giving the evidence are themselves culpable? I'm going to turn to Paul Gilbert, a human rights lawyer for guidance here. He joins us now. Uh, Good afternoon to you, sir. Hello, Matthew. Nice to talk to you again. Um, Hi, (laughs) Chris. What what, what are your themes, before we get into Grenfell, just on the notion of witnesses uh, being granted immunity from prosecution?
0: Well, as you say, it's something that we associate with what goes on in the United States of America, isn't it, uh, Matthew? It's a very controversial area because um on the one hand what any court or any inquiry wants is the best evidence that is available um but on the other hand what you don't want is a situation where uh someone can stand up and um you know essentially admit criminal offenses and be immune from being prosecuted because of that emis- uh, admission I mean, having said that, you know, once it's out in the uh, open, once it's in the public domain, that's nothing. There's nothing to stop. Um, I would see a police inquiry into it um i mean ultimately uh, any evidence that's given by an individual that's incriminating of them will be ha- will have to be given uh, uh during the course of a police interview under caution that's yeah. recorded in the uh way um, uh, set out in the Policing for evidence act so um <clears throat> uh, you know an admission uh, made in the course of giving evidence isn't necessarily um, evidence that would support a prosecution.
2: I, I, I understand you, but but it is entirely possible, nonetheless, that you could potentially both give evidence to police I- I ahead of the inquiry, repeat that evidence at the inquiry, and if the witnesses are given immunity, uh, if Jeffrey Cox goes down that route, they would remain immune from prosecution forever.
0: Well, they'd they'd, they'd remain immune from prosecution in respect of what they say in the inquiry. Um, I I don't think they'd remain immune from prosecution uh, generally. So, in other words, if there was other evidence available that meant that that that, that justified a police investigation uh, and justified the arrest, um, in other words, reasonable suspicion that an offence has been committed, it wouldn't stop um, a police investigation from going forward. Um, It simply would be that, that what was said by the witness at the inquiry couldn't be used against the witness. I mean, it, it's this principle uh, you, that, that, that we have, um, uh, uh, and, and Kevin, will be very familiar with this, where, uh, you know, a witness cannot um, be forced in answering a question uh, 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 in court to incriminate him yeah. or herself. Uh, yeah. um, and, and the moment that that risk is likely to happen, the judge is under a duty to warn the witness that so they don't have to answer questions. Um, That doesn't mean that the witness doesn't have to answer the questions. The witness can answer questions. I certainly was involved in the case where, um, you know, my defence was the other guy did it, and the other guy turned up and admitted that he did it. Probably (laughs) got arrested the moment he left the witness box. Um,
2: That can't be a true story.
0: I'm I'm, I'm (laughs) afraid.
1: No, it is a true story. Oh, dear God. The Matthew Wright Show on Talk Radio.
3: A new medical study has revealed that even heavy smokers will begin to recover from the damage they've done when they give up the wicked weed. Researchers at the Wellcome Trust Sanger Institute and uh, University College Hospital London found the benefits begin from the moment you stub out your last cigarettes uh, as the healthy cells start to grow in, uh, regrow instantly. Then these cells replace more and more of the cells that were damaged by tobacco smoke. And Cancer Research UK believes that as the linings of our airway's are replenished it could even help protect against cancer joining us now uh, is one of the authors of this study dr peter campbell he's a senior group leader at the Wellcome sanger institute hello peter
1: Hi, how are afternoon. you? Good
3: afternoon. So, uh, Matthew and I, both long-term, uh, fairly heavy smokers, but we both gave up uh, a fair well, few well, years ago. I, Good I ju- news, eh?
2: I've ju- just been reading that, that in, in the introduction of one of the papers. It, it described how it, even the lung function of a 70-year-old smoker who got through 10,000 yeah. packs would improve. And rather worryingly, I've worked out that I'd actually smoked more than 10,000 packs by the time that I quit, aged 48. Yeah, wow.
3: Me too. So, uh, but, well, are, are we, we- going to be all right, Peter? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, certainly, the, 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 there are many um, features of the of the data. What we have found is that the uh, that when people stop smoking, there seems to be replenishment of the linings of the lung with uh, with healthy cells. And the, the, these are the large airways. Um, there may be damage further down in the lungs that that won't be reversed. But certainly, um, in the large airways, uh, these uh, cells do protect against cancer.
2: No, we did we not know beforehand that if you gave up i mean one of the things i can remember hearing and i'm pretty sure it was an urban myth is that your body sort of completely rebuilds itself roughly every 7 years and therefore <laughs> if you give up smoking within 7 years all your cells would have regenerated and you will be cured
1: yes i think what's what's interesting about this study is we would we would have expected that uh, many of the cells that once the damage is done that that in in the genetic changes that you see from the cigarette smoke that that would persist forever after it had been generated right. but what what seems to happen here is that those cells get essentially sloughed off and replaced by these these cells that have hidden down probably in some reservoir or bunker deep in the lungs and then they sort of grow out uh, when the when the person stops smoking uh, so it does seem that it is, as you say, a, a sort of repair and regeneration process.
3: Um, I used to live in uh, Los Angeles for 10 years, and a doctor once told me that for the rest of my life, doctors will be able to uh, ascertain that I did just that because of the pollution there. Uh, is it the case that uh, the effects of long term cigarette smoke can be eradicated in, uh, completely?
1: not completely we we even in people who've stopped smoking for a long time we still do see da- uh, some damaged cells in the lung so it's about you know about 40% uh, regenerated healthy cells and 60% damaged cells on average mm, okay. uh, that we're seeing so there is still some damaged cells what's interesting is that is that if you look at lung cancers uh, from people who, who have smoked, they come from the damaged cells, so we can see the damage in the cancers. They don't come from the cells that, that grow back and, and are healthy, that, that those ones don't go on to get cancer.
2: Good. Now, can I, can I take my lead from Kevin here? You mentioned pollution. I'm, I'm increasingly concerned about pollution as well, uh, being a, a relatively new father. Presumably, I mean, it's a big pres- presumption on my part, The kind of damage that cigarette smoke could be doing to your lungs, the the, uh, pollution, polluted air could be doing to our lungs if we were to, to move to a less polluting part of the world, would lungs regenerate from that as well?
1: That's a really interesting question. We 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 didn't study that in, sure, in this sure. um, in the study, obviously. But I, I think it w- the the tools that we've developed um, would allow us to look at uh, lungs from um, people who've lived in a in an urban, very heavily polluted environment, and say a rural, um, unpolluted environment, and compare the two. What we know is that cigarette smoke has much more concentrated. Uh, Chemicals and carcinogens that that lead to the um, lead to the lung cancer much more concentrated right. than in in polluted air.
3: Okay. If you never give up smoking, uh, shall we say you have a pack a day for your whole life? Can you uh, explain to us the kind of damage you're oh, doing to your lungs? Good question.
1: Mm. Yes. Yeah, so so what we find is that um, is that that. Tobacco smoke uh, has 60 plus chemicals in it that bind directly to DNA and damage that DNA and lead to genetic changes. Oh, so, yeah, so so we, what we find in, in current smokers, so in a normal, in a 60-year-old who's never smoked, each cell would have about 1,000, 1,500 mutations. In... A person who's smoked, you get each of those lung cells will have an extra, on average, 5,000 mutations, and some of them will have an extra 10,000 or 15,000 mutations. So you're really, uh, in, in some cases, increasing the number of uh, mutations by fivefold or even tenfold um, uh, per cell. Well, where do you?
2: Where can you take this research? I mean, there's already a part of my brain thinking, well, if if we can start to analyse how the body regenerates and and pushes aside, sloughs away, as you said, the, the damaged cells, I mean, is this something that we could look at perhaps as a sort of targeted cancer treatment?
1: what we what we're first doing is trying to find where these cells are hiding how are they how are they managing to avoid the the damage that their that their neighbors have, have really um, experienced we think that there's some little safe harbor within the lungs that they that they're hiding in and we're trying to track down where that is once we can find that then we can study the properties of those cells and work out what is it what triggers them to, to expand when, when someone stops smoking how do they how do they kind of sense that that there's that that there's damage that, that's needed to be repaired. The Matthew Wright Show on Talk Radio.
2: I'll tell you, it's didgeridoos. And joining us to describe the wonder of this instrument is Alex Acklock. He joins us on the line now. Good afternoon to you, sir.
4: Good afternoon. Good. How are
2: you? Lovely to talk to you. Um, we like to do a little bit. We like to learn about the instrument. We like to learn how it's played. Tell us a little bit first of all uh, about the London Didgeridoo Club.
4: Yeah. So the London Didgeridoo Club was uh, created in 2013 uh, by my friend uh, Joseph. Uh, we were a group of seven, seven didgeridoo players that we just happened that uh, we met in London. And then we decided to meet uh, every week uh, along the canal of Candon, uh, Camden Town. So what got you, Alex, into the didgeridoo?
2: Where did you first discover it?
4: I went to, well, at the time I was still living in Italy. And uh, in 1998, I went to a concert of Jamiro Quay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, uh, there was a didgeridoo player. He was an Aboriginal man. And uh, I was there in the concert just in front of the didgeridoo player and the... The instrument, the sound hypnotized me. I really wanted to play that.
2: Okay, so can you describe to, to any listener that's not seen one? I mean, it, to my mind, a didgeridoo just looks like a sort of hollow tube of
4: wood. Yes, yes. So uh, the magic thing is that it's just a pipe, it's just a tube. But uh, depending by how long it is, uh, depending by the section and the shape, uh, there are millions of different changes in the sound. And um, the special thing of the didgeridoo, I feel that it's not like a guitar, a piano, where you have you can really sense the notes. There is like going in a scale.
2: It's more like and a drone, sounds- isn't it? A, a drone noise, like you would get from say a hurdy gurdy, as the, as the bass sound, just a, a one tone, for want of a better way. Could you uh, cir- circular breathing is critical to playing the didgeridoo? Yeah, you have right. to.
4: You right. have to play the didgeridoo with the circular breathing. No. Otherwise, you just play for. 30 seconds, and, and that's
2: it. Right. Now, yeah. I, I've been trying to describe using Wikipedia, without much success, um, to Jenny and Kevin, how you circular breathe. Could you describe how, how one could do it, and maybe how we could
4: practice? Yes, it's just a, it's just a trick. Uh, no human is able to breathe in and out in the same time, so it is, of course, a trick. There is a moment where you go out of breath, yeah. uh, while doing the the vibration
2: of the lip. So we take a deep breath, so we're going yeah. to breathe in, and then we're, as we're breathing out, just as we get to the end of the breath, what do we have to do? You
4: have to block the, the, um, the oxygen going out from your throat and just squeeze your cheeks. Your cheeks will be full of air. And you just squeeze your cheeks while you get a very quick breath in with your nose. So the, the
2: last bit of air you blow, you squirt down the didgeridoo, you do it by compressing the air in your <laughs> cheeks and just shooting it down down in the didgeridoo, while simultaneously, and you're hearing the sound of Jenny Trent Hughes suffocating slowly <laughs> over the <laughs> airwaves. The yeah. but, but, so so, so you, you're breathing out, you're breathing out. <laughs> Don't die, Jenny, please. Actually... Please don't die. Um, so, so you're blowing up, blowing out, down the didgeridoo, down the didgeridoo. You're getting near the end. Your cheeks are all big and round oh. like a chipmunk. And right at the end, you squeeze the cheeks, Jenny, as you're doing, and breathe in at the same time.
3: Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I've got it. I've perfected that. No problem.
2: Uh, Alex, Alex. Okay. I, 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 <laughs> Jenny looks high. Actually, I, I have to. Um, how how long did it take you to learn circular breathing? It was
4: pretty quick. Uh, first, I didn't really know uh, where to go because I could, I could just do the sound and then I had to stop every time I yeah. went out of breath. So in London, I remember I was in, um, in city center. There was this guy, he was basking and, uh, you know, he was playing didgeridoo. So I was looking at him and uh, he stopped. I remember he stopped and he asked me, do you want to learn? Yeah. Right, right. He guessed from the way I was watching so I say, yes, please. And so basically we agreed that he would have given me an hour and a half uh, lesson. Yeah. Yeah. And then basically that lesson was for me to to t- teach myself how to do the circular breathing. Right. So there was an exercise he teached me and I had to do it at least an hour a day. So at the time I was driving for 50 miles, uh, 50 kilometers every every day by car I go to work while I was driving I was doing this <laughs> 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 so the thing of doing it continuously, continuously in the car no one is watching you normally you know. so you can really do all the sounds and, and faces you want and that is helping really <laughs> because hmm, at the, the first time you play the circular breathing in a didgeridoo is going to sound really bad and there's no even point of just using the
2: DJ, stuff you can just do it without the doo OK, and, and just... So Jenny is, Jenny is progressing very quickly on circular breathing. Or... <laughs> I
4: just need an instrument
2: <laughs> now. <laughs> but you, you, you demonstrated the sound a, a few moments ago. How do we create the sound with our lips? It's
4: just vibrating with your lips. Like, <laughs> you know, like if you would say to a kid, uh, can you do a horse? Yeah.
2: No, I've not. Do it again for us, please, Alex. Could you could you make the sound?
4: So that's the sound. Uh, that, that's the movement you do. But you can make it sound like a sound a this, even without playing the D's like this. You're sorry. You're
2: doing that just with your mouth, with no didgeridoo.
4: Yes. Yes. It's wow.
2: You can tell this is this is the difference between talking to a musician and talking, with no disrespect to you guys, to rank amateurs with no musical skills whatsoever. I think. I mean, wait, Jenny, let's hear your let's hear your one. Oh then. no, I'm come a la- on, no, come I'm, on. I'm a lady. I Don't cannot be, possibly Kevin, let's hear your indulge in that <laughs> <movie>. <laughs> That's yeah,
0: Wow,
2: at, oh, that's I not it bad. Okay. No. That's me pretending <laughs> to be a dodgy do. <laughs> And if you enjoyed all of that, make sure you tune into the Matthew Wright show with Kevin O'Sullivan every weekday from 1 on Talk Radio.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods